0: Hey folks, welcome back to the Culture Jacked Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin, and I want to know how you've been. I want to know how you're doing. I want to know how your your week went. And I know it's only been but a week since we last spoke, and I use that term very, very loosely because I feel like this arrangement that we have is very one-sided. I'm doing a lot of the speaking. You are not doing a lot of the letter writing and the comment making and the otherwise interacting with me in this podcast in the way you should. And so consider that you're scolding. As for me, in the last week, I've been watching Moon Knight. I've been watching Our Flag Means Death. Now, if you want to tune in to last week's episode, I did do a review and recap of the first and second episode of Moon Knight. And consequently, next week, I will be doing a review and recap of the third and fourth episode. It's a great show so far, and it does rate very highly on my MCU tier list, which we will talk about in in just a moment. I've also been watching Our Flag Means Death, which is a great combination of like Pirates of the Caribbean and what we do in the shadows. It's got that very uh, flight of the Concord sensibility, and it's got actually Taika Waititi, who I will watch almost anything in. I've also finished Masters of the Universe. In fact, I just finished it last night. It was very good. Uh, I've got a lot to say about that. And keeping with uh, my New Year's resolution, which you'll find I am completing some of today, I will be reviewing Masters of the Universe and telling you my thoughts on it and kind of what my expectations are for this series and this kind of series in the in a future episode i'm also very nearly finished with tunic i cannot recommend this game enough if you have not already started playing tunic you should consider it and then i'm still still slaying in Fortnite. let me tell you i'm doing very well though i'm doing very well in uh, no build mode because now they have no build mode as a permanent uh mode and the one with more structure well the one that you You know, make structures, I don't do nearly as well in because the sweats are still in that. So today on the show, today on Culture Jacked, we are going to be making a MCU Disney Plus show tier list. So, you know, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, all of these shows that we have seen, also the shows that are currently going on like Moon Knight and the one that we saw a trailer for, Miss Marvel, we're going to rate them in a high to low tier list. So look forward to that. Uh, We also finally get around to discussing the Cowboy Bebop live action adaptation that I have been promising to talk about on the show for months. So we have like a a review and recap of that as well. And then finally, we end with a, a question on how to get someone into gaming that maybe is not into the hobby. So welcome to Culture Jacked. If you are new here, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you are new and have not yet subscribed or followed, now is a wonderful opportunity to do so. I would really appreciate you giving us a chance to become part of your listening week. And to the old listeners, the old hands on the Culture Jacked podcast, what are you doing? If you have listened for two, maybe three episodes. Maybe you've listened to us since the inception of this podcast. Why have you not subscribed yet? Like, what are you waiting for? What is going to be that turning point? Like, are you on the fence for why I've given you everything, uh, (laughs) everything that I've got. And, um, I think we're going to start with the first topic. And What I'd like to talk to you about is the MCU. And we talk about the MCU a lot, so it's not something that's new or special or or different about this episode. But I'd like to talk to you specifically about the small screen MCU. I'm talking about the Disney Plus shows that have come out. I, uh, I would talk about the Netflix shows. I would talk about the... ABC's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I'm not talking about that today. I will talk about that at some other time, but I'm talking about specifically the Disney Plus MCU show uh, selection that we have now. I think that even though all of these shows are very good, there are different calibers of MCU shows on Disney Plus. And so what I've done in the past is I've divided the shows into, quote, Chad shows and, quote, fantastical shows. Uh, so I'm going to call them Chad shows and comic shows. And what I mean by that is a Chad show is, is old-style MCU. And it is old-style MCU in that it wants to intentionally ground the characters. It wants to make uh, fantastic things that happen into easily explained scientific reasons like there's a reason for this and it's basically some pseudoscience that we're going to make up but for the most part it's our military captain america ones it's our falcons and our winter soldiers um so those are our chad mcu shows and then uh, also the other ones are going to be comic shows and those are ones that lean into the source material they lean into the fact that there are supernatural and there are mystical and there are just fantastic people in this universe and they maybe have powers or abilities that are a little bit beyond our understanding or a little bit beyond the rules that govern our regular universe. So those will be comic shows. So we got chat shows and comic shows. I'd like to try and separate the shows on Disney Plus into those two. If I can, I'm going to rank them though, be they Chad show or be they comic show into a high and, and low tier category. And just because a show is a Chad show doesn't mean that it won't have comic elements or vice versa. Just because it's a comic show doesn't mean that there's not going to be a military operation in the middle of it. Um, I like the direction that Disney is taking with these shows. I, I, I like many fans, have so long wanted the Netflix Marvel shows to link up with the movies. I wanted uh, the movies to have more acknowledgement of the events of a show like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And... You know, even there in the beginning, they went so far as to include people like Agent Coulson, like Samuel Jackson. (laughs) He's, (laughs) why should I say the character and then the actor, like Agent Coulson and Nick Fury. God, what is that? What is that actor's name? The guy that plays Agent Phil Coulson. Anyway, well, you know, Phil Coulson and, and Agent Nick Fury. Agent Nick Fury. Well, I mean, he was at one point. Now he's director Nick Fury. No, he's not. Shield's been disbanded. Anyway, I'm very much enjoying the fact that there is connectivity. Uh, the shows all have varying degrees of that connectiveness, though. They, uh, some of them, some of them link up kind of one to one, and then as we've seen, at least so far, in the most recent edition, Moon Knight, maybe it's not quite a direct connection. Like these other ones, uh, the effects also in some of the shows seem inconsistent in the series. Like at one moment, I'll be right there, I'll be in it, I'll be I'll be zoned into the action, and then, boom, some bad effects will take me out. Like again, I hate to keep offering this up as an example, but in Moon Knight. At the beginning, uh, spoilers for Moon Knight, in the first episode, he's beating on this demon dog in the bathroom. He's hunched over, and his cape is kind of floating behind him. Like, it's not, it's not falling like regular fabric would. And at some point, I'm a huge special effects guy. I'm, I'm big about it. It's, that's my shit. But at some point, you have to go, man, maybe this needs uh, a little less special and a little more practical effects. Um, also in some of these shows, writing seems a little lackluster in comparison. And that's not to say that the whole show will be bad. All of these shows have very, very bright moments that stuck with me that weld tears up in my eyes that struck the very chords of my heart. But then it, you know, will skip back to something that's very obvious or a big reveal. That's not very important. So some of the writing, uh, Is is not great even though I will say uh, high tier low tier aside all of these the acting is top-notch very well very well acted and finally uh, I also want to look at how representative these series are in comparison with their comics or their already established characters within the MCU so I Mostly, I'm going to be grading them by those four metrics, So whether they make the high tier list or the low tier list, uh, MCU connection, effects, writing, and consistency. I'll be talking about all kinds of stuff, though, uh, not just those things. Also, uh, I'm going. I'm I'm only going to be talking about the shows uh, that are out or that we've seen trailers for, or I guess I'm I'm also going to be sh- talking about the shows that we've just seen trailers for. So all of this. Is subject uh, to change. And I've decided that every time that I talk about Marvel or the MCU on this podcast, on this broadcast, I want to lobby for Deadpool as Stan Lee's replacement. So, as we all know, Stan Lee has been in most of the Marvel movies, and he's been a cameo, whether he's a bus driver, a UPS delivery guy, a. Uh, divorcee who's wooing a woman in, on Nova core, whatever, what planet Nova, not Novacore right on the, right on the whole ass establishment, isn't he? Uh, I am going to lobby for Deadpool taking his place as that cameo appearance. Okay. So here we go. Let's get into the shows. Um, I'm going to start off with WandaVision. WandaVision was the first series that we got from Disney plus, uh, Immediately, I put this in the high tier category of shows. Um, it's got a it's got a great story. It has great character introductions. Uh, Agatha Harkness, Monica Rambo, Jimmy Woo, <laughs> Boner, uh, Quicksilver's character. I can't even remember was it John Boner. Anyway, Speed, Wiccan, White Vision, Sword. Uh, And yes, S.W.O.R.D. is an organization, but they've introduced that concept and anything in a Disney show or movie that expands the universe. You guys remember how excited I was when Eternals put that big giant ass celestial in the middle of the ocean and gave us a whole more universal approach or another universally themed uh, Marvel movie. I was very excited for that as well. It did also get us closer to Wanda and Vision. It helped us understand Wanda a little bit more. But if you look at that character, what a tragic character she is, all through her childhood, through her uh, adult years, on through with her, her manipulation by Ultron, and then her betrothal to Vision, and then subsequent you know, separation when he died, getting the Infinity Stone removed from his head. So there's a lot of high emotion, especially for Wanda Maximoff. Vision also got some expansion as a character, um, but his expansion wasn't so much on the character that we knew, but the story going forward and where he's going to be. Uh... again spoilers for WandaVision did I say spoilers spoilers for all of these shows spoilers for WandaVision Falcon and the Winter Soldier Loki what if Hawkeye Miss Marvel and Moon Knight I'm going to talk about all of these dang things but it got us uh an idea that Vision you know he's got the the all the memories of the regular Vision but he is a Mr. Roboto developed in a lab essentially so he's off on his own adventures but we're going to see see him more The thing that I like about WandaVision and why I place it on the high tier part of this list immediately is because of the unique way that it told its story. If you did not watch WandaVision, it gave us the story through different periods of television history. And so we started in black and white with the kind of I love Lucy, uh, kind of leave it to beaver kind of episodes. And then we moved on up through eventually making it to like a Malcolm in the Middle style show. And it was the kind of the the intrigue and the curiosity behind what this show was going to be, where it was going to lead to, and the rampant speculation and rumors and theories that were going around on the internet. Whether is it Mephisto, isn't it Mephisto? Uh, Quicksilver, is he in there? Is Agatha the key to the multiverse? Is she going to introduce the Fantastic Four? Is, Is Wanda going to break the multiverse when Doctor Strange will then step in? Like the possibilities were endless. And it's those kinds of moments in comics that allow our imaginations to just run wild is why I like this genre of storytelling so damn much. It sets up Wanda for Doctor Strange, which I love that too. Again, connects it to the universe. And like I said, Vision, it sets him up for his future adventure wherever he's going. I'd actually kind of like to see a Vision show in the future. Uh, and even though it didn't expand on the universe too terribly much, it did leave all of these nice little threads hanging. And I think we are going to see the expansion of WandaVision and the connectivity even increase when we see Doctor Strange here at the beginning of this next month. Moving on from WandaVision, which I would I would put very firmly in the comic category... On to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I would have very much in the Chad category And I have rated Falcon and the Winter Soldier as a low tier Comic book show on Disney Plus And that's not because I didn't like it Surely there were parts in it that I enjoyed very much I enjoy the um, witty repertoire between uh, Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes Amazing I love how uh, Sam kind of invited Bucky into his family. I mean, they're there at the end. Um, I, I also like that it showed some of the aspects of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that we haven't really seen yet. Like how it is to be an Avenger. Like Avengers don't just make money hand over fist being an Avenger. They got bills to pay too. And in the case of Sam Wilson and his sister and their struggles with, you know, selling their parents' boat... Um, I mean, it, it, uh, it definitely highlighted some things that weren't really showcased before. Uh, it was cool also to see Sam Wilson become Captain America. And in that sense, I think that this show is one of the best that ties to the MCU. Because Sam Wilson, had he just shown up in another movie as Captain America... I'd be like, what the hell? When did this happen? And I guess you could draw some draw some lines at the uh, end of Endgame when Captain America handed off the shield to Sam, but really this this put a lot more perspective into that. Uh, it built on uh, Falcon, Winter Soldier, and Zemo. We all got expanded lore for all of those characters, but it felt it felt very made for TV, and Marvel is is setting up higher caliber shows like um, these shows are supposed to be something like we've never seen on tv before but it also reminded me of like early seasons of the flash and so if we got too many more seasons of falcon and the winter soldier um, but i don't think we will i think that story has been told we're moving on to captain america 4 uh if we got more seasons I think eventually we would devolve just like The Flash has devolved. Have you seen some of the recent episodes of The Flash? They are not good. Falcon and the Winter Soldier also introduced a group like the GRC, the Global Repatriation Committee, I believe. Uh, The Flag Smashers, uh, Valencia, who recruited John Walker, who also recruited uh, Yelena Belova, which is setting us up for the Thunderbolts. Um... Again, the guy that plays Thunderbolt T. Ross has passed, so you know they're going to have to recast him, or maybe they'll they'll do a anti-hero villain league in his name, uh, and then the power broker they set uh, him up as well, or they set her up as well. They, now that's one of my big gripes about Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the power broker was a big letdown. I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of neat that Sharon Carter was the big bad all along. Sharon Carter is going to have uh, connections and machinations when it comes to uh, Armor Wars. And I'm happy that actress gets more play, but it would have been such an, a wonderful opportunity to introduce another character, to expand the universe, to have someone else that could have interactions with these other folks that they've been having all the time. Or who knows, maybe they will do that with with Sharon Carter. But to me, the Sharon Carter reveal as power broker was a huge letdown. Uh, there were other things though, that, like I said, did bring a tear to my eye. There were cool moments with Isaiah Bradley, Isaiah Bradley, who had been used and abused by the U S military and his grandson, who is maybe going to be Patriot. I thought these were very cool moments, not to mention, uh, the impacts that, uh, you know Sam Wilson had being the first black captain america being a, a man of color uh in a very whitewashed world and good speeches uh good good conversation to be had but it felt very very broken up uh now moving back into a comic movie is loki which i consider to be a high tier uh show not <laughs> not comic movie comic show um Though it did seem very much like a pandemic production. Like it felt like this was made during the pandemic. They were doing it in a studio. You know, everyone was wearing masks except for the two people that they had talking in any given scene. There wasn't like a lot of of big sets where there were a lot of people interacting. It was made during the pandemic. It is a great expansion of a fan favorite character which I think is, it's awesome. I'm not a huge Loki fan myself, personally. Uh, I do like Tom Hiddleston's performance as Loki, but I've got other, I got other favorite characters in the MCU. I'm looking at you, Paul Rudd Ant-Man. You are the absolute best. You're the bee's knees. Uh, it, it expanded the universe in a big way. Not only did it give us uh, more about, you know, what Loki was doing when he teleported off with the, the Space Stone, the Tesseract, But it also gave us a a organization that works between the lines, that works between uh, sections of time, the TVA, or the Time Variance Authority. And not only did it give us the Time Variance Authority, it gave us another big bad, essentially. This is not the guy that's going to be the bad guy of one or two movies. This is the guy that is going to be the bad guy for a phase of the Marvel Universe, Kang the Conqueror well in this in this case uh, you know he who remains played by Jonathan Majors who I am very excited to see how many different ways he can play this character it also expanded the universe in that it broke the time stream so it was our real it was really our first big jump into learning about a multiverse in learning about different timelines and and bringing those comic book features that have been mainstays of comic books for a long time into the MCU. And so I can't thank it, thank it enough for doing that. Introduced uh, people like Sylvie, Kang, Mobius, Hunter B-52, Ravona Renslayer, and then of course the concept of variants in the MCU. And not to mention, the last couple episodes felt like a full-ass movie. Like it was so good. The drama, the tension, the heartbreak that Loki experienced at the hands of Sylvie because she decided to stay behind and slay Kang. Not to mention Kang's nonchalant introduction in that elevator. Loki, high tier, comic book quality uh, television show. Now the next one may be controversial. The next one uh, may get some rocks and stones thrown at me and I don't care. This is my list. I will do with it what I may. The next one is what if I consider that a low tier Disney plus show. Again, this is a very comic, a very comic book show, but is very, uh, probably the lowest on my list. And now don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved what if I adored it when it comes to universe expansion. That's that was that show. That was that show showing us what these characters could have been and maybe what some of these characters will be. High tier shows need to have as much connective tissue with the movies as possible. And it's hard to have a connective series without actors returning to portray their roles. And I know we're so spoiled by that. Like that's not something that used to be a thing. But it's also hard to do that with when timelines aren't connected at all. It was Universe expanding, though, the Watcher. We got an introduction to him, though we had seen him in the MCU before. We got an actual characterization, some actual voice lines, and then interaction with Marvel characters that we already know and love. It will need to see some more connection to our current MCU timelines to jump to that high tier and what if it's coming back? It's coming back for other seasons as well. So I'm not worried that we're going to have that connection and it's going to move into a high tier element. But the, the, probably the biggest reason why I rated this in the low tier category is because it's animated. And I know hearing that from me is almost like sacrilege uh, because I love animation. I mean that is that's that's my life. Anime is so good and I've loved it for a long time. I love watching all of the Disney Pixar animated films, all of the shorts when they come out. I look up winners to uh, like indie animation contests and and watch those things online. But it is hard for an animated an animated show to feel connected to a live action universe. I don't know what it is. I don't know what made me feel this way so much, but I felt like, okay, this isn't really, really connected. This is just something with some characters that we recognize, but it's not really, it's not really part of the universe, is it? I mean, it probably is. I'd love to see some of those things that we saw in What if, what If, in a live action form, and I know that zombies, Marvel zombies, has already been like greenlit, or it's in, in pre-production, or or something along those lines. So we may yet. But many of those storylines I would have loved to see with the actors themselves. Okay, on to Hawkeye then. Hawkeye is a high tier, unexpectedly, Chad Marvel comic book show. Like it's it's really good. I did not expect to enjoy Hawkeye as much as I did. Now, it shows what this one shows. And maybe this is why it got rated so so well in my opinion is that it can take a 10-year-old character and expand on them in ways that we didn't know that we wanted or that we needed. And so, like, I I wasn't, like, a huge Hawkeye fan. I was like, Hawkeye, you take him, take him or leave him, he's fine. And it, it's such a good introspective that Hawkeye has on Hawkeye, which is why I like this show so much. Not to mention, it had some of the most impactful emotional moments uh, like when uh, Clinton Barton was talking to his son on the phone, but he didn't know it was his son because he's hard of hearing. He'd lost his hearing aid. And so it, it took uh, Kate Bishop to come in and say, yo, that's not your wife you're talking to, it's your son. And then she translated for him on a, on a piece of paper. And it just kind of illuminated yet another corner of our world that showed where these are people that maybe are not recognized as much in traditional media someone that's hard of hearing like yeah it's it, it was very very emotional like the emotional moments in this rivaled almost those in WandaVision where um, you know Wanda had to say goodbye to her her fake children she had to say goodbye again to Vision like that ooh just hit you hit you right in the in the in the feels and i didn't know that i needed a hawkeye show I didn't know I needed an expansion on this character. But it leaves me begging the question, who else do I need an expansion on? Maria Hill, Nick Fury, Groot, Ronan. It introduced some cool characters like Kate Bishop, Kingpin, Echo. It brought back Yelena Belova. Not to mention, as far as universe expanding goes, it showed yet another person who was affected by the blip, uh, affected by Thanos' snap when it showed her coming back to reality in the way that they did it. Like, no time had passed for her at all, but the wallpaper changed, the paint had changed, the house had changed, and she was just her, just moving through this five-year gap in time. Uh, the tracksuit mafia were introduced in this one, and not to, that like, the the witty back and forth between Yelena and Kate Bishop was one of the highlights of this show. So an emotional show uh, that... Hell, it had Kingpin. It had Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin back from his Netflix fame. And that's huge. That's huge. And we're going to see more Kingpin in Echo. And I've heard rumors, rumblings, that we're also going to see more of Matt Murdock's Daredevil in Echo as well. So I'm very excited about it. Like, all of that stuff is very exciting. And then we've got Miss Marvel, which will undoubtedly be a comic show like this will be very heavily tied to the fantastic and the mystical um unfortunately it's probably going to be a low tier show and i say that because it is a it's like a high school comedy and so i know we're looking to get these marvel shows kind of off the beaten path off the the homogenous way that they've been the the feeling of sameness But that just doesn't strike me as something that I'm going to enjoy very much. And I could be perfectly wrong. I love the Miss Marvel comic books. Um, I don't want to say that the announcement and the trailer that showed that the way they did Kamala's powers are different in this show than they are in the comics. I don't want to say that her power set has affected me, but I think it might have. So I may change my mind. Um... It does look very well casted. Like uh, Iman Vellani, she looks like a wonderful casting for Miss Marvel. Um, part of the reason I think I'm so upset with her power set being disrupted is because in the comic books, Miss Marvel is an Inhuman, and so it introduced again a whole other section of the Marvel universe. Whereas in this, it looks like she has her powers from a a bracer or an amulet that is in her parents' attic or something along those lines, and so it doesn't look like there's going to be an inhuman connection, which is a real shame. They tried to do it in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they tried to do their own show, um, but I think the MCU could do it right. I think that's a huge missed opportunity. Now, I reserve the right to change my mind once the show comes out, but just with the first look, It doesn't feel like this is going to be more than a made-for-TV show. Please prove me wrong. But we also have the opportunity to have some real opportunity for universe expansion. Is Captain Marvel going to make a cameo? Is Monica Rambeau, who her powers were first introduced in WandaVision, is she going to make a cameo? Especially because these three... Monica Rambeau, Captain Marvel, and Miss Marvel are going to be in the Marvels. I don't. I don't know. I'm very. I'm very excited about it. But unfortunately, I do not have high hopes or expectations. I also did not have high hopes or expectations for Hawkeye, but that, despite its ending being a little abrupt, a little early, um, or a little seemingly rushed, uh, I. I loved it. I loved it. I hope. I love Miss Marvel. As well, um, and then the last one, a again another comic comic book show, is Moon Knight. I think it is high tier. I think it is. Um, I'm not there just yet. Uh, some of the CG stuff is a little weird for me, but it will probably end up being one of those that I, I put in the high tier category. It is a unique concept with the split personalities, and that is. Uh, all accredited to the character of Mark Spector, of Stephen Grant, of Moon Knight. But it's amazing the way that they did it. They did it so well that I believe there are two different characters there. And again, again, that could be uh, contributed to or attributed to Oscar Isaac's wonderful acting. But I think the way that they, they did it, the way that it was filmed, the way that it was written and shot... Um, is really unique and very interesting. There is some shoddy CG. I mentioned the the protagonist's cape in an early scene, and I, I don't know if it's a product of the show's budget or if I'm just realizing now in the MCU, because I've gone back and tried to watch some Marvel movies, and the CG just doesn't cut it for me, baby. I don't know what it is. I think there is a certain allure and a certain appeal To the movie once it just comes out and you're seeing things for the first time, maybe you don't have time to analyze it. But I'm starting to think that the MCU movies and maybe shows, with the exception of WandaVision, probably, are uh, only have a a rewatch value of one. I mean, of zero. Uh, They they don't have rewatch value, and maybe it's something I'll, I'll explore in a future episode. How about that? Maybe I'll do that. Uh, Excuse me, uh, Adobe Flash Player. I would not like to have you interrupt my podcast. Thank you very much. I'm only three episodes in uh, with Moon Knight, but tonally it is very different, which a lot of people have been saying the MCU needs to do. I personally like the distinct flavor of the MCU. It is one of the first shows or movies diving into kind of the magic side of the MCU. I know... Loki did it. WandaVision did it, but, uh, it was earlier. Her powers were explained away as science. And then they kind of retcon that in WandaVision to say, no, no, you're part of chaos magic. Um, well, shit. I guess it's not one of the first shows then WandaVision, Loki, and now moon Knight, And then, I mean, potentially miss Marvel, because if she's not the, the, um, result of an inhuman, Terrigen bomb accident, then shit, her powers could very well be based in the mystical from that, that bracelet in the, par- so I guess we've got a lot, I guess we have got a lot, not to mention Dr. Strange as well. Uh, I do like that they are diving into the magic side of the MCU and it, this one does, speaking of Dr. Strange, have huge implications leading into Dr. Strange and into Quantumania And I love how they set this up. I love how Marvel set this up where they've got Spider-Man No Way Home. Doctor Strange has fractured the universe bringing in these villains from other Spider-Man universes. I love that Loki, he has, well, not he, but Sylvie has fractured the universe by killing Kang. I love that Wanda potentially has fractured the universe by, you know, enslaving a whole town, bending them to her will, summoning children from... What looks to be the depths of hell? I don't know. But I love how all of these people could be responsible for this fracture of the multiverse. I'm very excited about that. So Moon Knight, probably high tier. But again, once this one finishes, I will be able to give my final verdict. Uh, so just to recap, WandaVision, comic book movie, high tier. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Chad movie, <laughs> Chad Show, low tier. Loki, comic book, high tier. What If, comic book, low tier, Hawkeye, uh, Chad, high tier, Ms. Marvel, comic, low tier, probably, Moon Knight, comic, high tier, probably. Uh, these ratings are subject to change. Overall, I love the Marvel shows, and even if I put one of them in that low tier category, a low tier MCU show on Disney Plus is still 50 times better than a mid-to-high-tier show on Netflix. I mean, in a lot of cases. I love these Marvel shows. I love the expansion of the universe that they're doing. And Connection is one of the main reasons I love these shows. Even if if they're not everything I'm expecting, if they put a cool spin on something we already know about, they give us a little more detail about a character that we've uh, we've either never met or are going to meet or have only met briefly, I think that's part of the... I think that's part of the magic in all this, and I love how they die in the movies. Good lord, I love this stuff. I love, um, I love ending this segment of the show. Uh, so I, I think that's all I'll say about these shows for now. And like I say, uh, stay tuned next week because next week I will be giving you my review on Moon Knight episode three and four. Uh, so if you if you've seen three and you're excited about it, stay excited. Wait till you watch four and then tune in to see what I've got to say. It'll probably be kind of the same thing that you've got to say. So we are going to talk about the live action adaptation of Cowboy Bebop on Netflix. I know all kinds of people have all kinds of opinions on it. And I've been meaning to talk about this one for a while. And finally, following through with my New Year's resolution to get, to finish some of those projects I started. Well, here we are. Here we are with the Cowboy Bebop review and recap. Obviously, this is replacing our regular on today's episode show. Uh, it's, you know, like I said last week, it's been rolled up into one show. But before we get into the live action adaptation of Cowboy Bebop, I want to take you back back to a time. You know, you finished with school. Um, maybe it's back in, in 2001, 2002. You've gotten home. You've you, Maybe you finished your homework, maybe not, but you sat down for some cartoons and you watched through you know the cartoons that maybe you didn't like. So maybe you watched some uh, kids next door, maybe a little Ed, Ed and Eddie. Yeah, and those were fine. You've got you've got fond remembrance and nostalgia for those. But then Tom came on. Tom from Toonami. He flew in on that on that giant ship, and you got to watch some anime. You've been a fan of anime for a while, but you, now you get to watch yourself a little Inuasha, maybe a little Yu Yu Hakusho, maybe some Hamtaro. But then that that bell hits ding, Tom's gone. The spaceship's gone. It's time for adult swim. You're a teenager, but God damn that ding, that bell, that image of those people swimming in the pool. And then that logo appearing adult swim. Oh man. It, it just hit different, you know, and adult swim, as we know, is the home of, of great hits like sea lab 2021. Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, Aqua Teen, Hunger Force, Robot Chicken, Squidbillies, Venture Bros, Boondocks. But what really hit hit my uh, particular anime bone or my cartoon bone, I was a teenager, so there was m- most assuredly a bone of some sort in there, was the adult swim anime section. I'm looking at you, Gundam Wing, Trigun, Raroni Kenshin. Fooly Cooly. You remember Fooly Cooly, the first time you saw that on Adult Swim? Fooly Cooly. Outlaw Star, Dragon Ball Z, Big O, Reign the Conqueror. But it was here on Adult Swim that I got my first introduction to the anime version of Cowboy Bebop, that classic masterpiece, and though it has been so long since I've watched that series as a whole, so I can't tell you exactly what appealed uh, to me, whether it was you know Spike's nonchalance, Jet's insistence, Faye being so aloof, Ed's androgyny, I don't know what it was exactly. but it made me feel it made me feel like a space cowboy. And I have I have certain uh, particular favorite episodes, uh, like the, who was it? the clown Pierre? And the, there was one, one uh, action sequence where Spike was running to get away and the clown was after him. And these two grenades came up out of the screen. And I remember just loving that imagery. Every time I would write a story or I would fantasize about um, a, a comic that I was going to create or an anime that I was going to animate myself, it would always have a sequence like that. You know, be damned the plagiarism. I was a teenage boy. And so you, you have no idea my excitement when I heard about Cowboy Bebop having a live action adaptation to it. I was very excited, though I was very wary because there's been other shows based on anime as well. Americanized shows like Death Note. Uh, there's been Japanese produced anime like. Again, Death Note, Attack on Titan, Bleach, Full Metal Alchemist, and almost always, whether it's uh, the Japanese production studios putting way too much effort in the character's hair or the Americanized show not getting the nature of the character correct, none of these were really up to par. And so having a fan-favorite show, having a Dustin-favorite show like Cowboy Bebop Coming to Netflix in a live-action adaptation, I was very nervous. But I learned something when I watched Death Note. And Death Note is a good show. It's a good movie. It's maybe not a good Death Note movie. So if I'm able to separate the show or the show from the anime, the live-action adaptation from the anime... In most cases I can have a pretty good time regardless because it's going to be similar though it will not live up to those moments that I experience and I treasure from my youth from watching watching these animes. So my expectations going into be- Bebop were low but I still was excited because they did have an all-star cast as well. Now Spike Spiegel was voiced by Steve Bloom originally. And and Steve Bloom is a very prolific uh, anime voice actor. You've heard him in Scride, You've he was Zabuza and Orochimaru in Naruto. He was in Roroni Kenshin, Digimon, and at least fifty others. But John Cho really did a great job embodying the 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 character in Cowboy Bebop. And he's the he was Harold in Harold and Kumar for Christ's sake. Uh, Jet Black, and Jet Black. Uh, Mind you, I'm not a black person. But he is one of the characters that I think I could cosplay. You know, San's blackface. I'm not going to do anything ridiculous like that. But I'm a bald guy with a beard. And there are not a lot of bald guys with beards in anime. I demand representation now. Um, But he was played by Mustafa Shakir, who also played Bushmaster in Luke Cage. And though uh, Bushmaster was not my favorite villain of that series uh that went to Cottonmouth of course uh he still played the character really well and he played Jet Black incredibly as well now Faye Valentine is played by Daniela Pineda who I wasn't sure about like I'd seen the trailers and I was like "Mm, I don't I don't know if that is Faye I don't know if she's gonna pull it off She was in the Jurassic World movies but she does an amazing job uh And again, this is, it's, it's different than the anime. And so if you go in with your mind kind of tuned into, I'm, I'm looking for some of the same general space, some of the same general vibe, but maybe not the same thing. I'm not going to get maybe the exact lines from the anime. You're going to have a good time. And Faye Valentine was that for me. She is the embodiment of my hesitations and my reluctances about the show. And then, finally, my acceptance of it and my appreciation of it as well. Vicious is played by Alex Hassel. And what I will say about Vicious is he played the most anime character there was. I mean, if you played Final Fantasy VII, you remember Sephiroth? Well, essentially, this guy is Sephiroth, you know. Down to the long hair, I think in the anime there was like a vulture sidekick, though I don't think that was adapted for this this show. It's very hard to do an anime character as an anime character, but he did pretty well. Um, some of it was a little hammy, but, but I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. <clears throat> so I'm going to get into the series a little bit. I'm going to give you a little bit of an episode recap. And so there will be spoilers if you have not seen Cowboy Bebop. Unfortunately, we all know that Cowboy Bebop, the live-action adaptation, has not been renewed for a second season. Such is a shame. But we're going to go through the uh, go through the series now really quickly. I'm not going to do um, a whole play-by-play on the, uh, like I did on the OTE sometimes. Most of these reviews and recaps will be entire seasons of shows anymore, so... It won't be episodes, unless it's something like Moon Knight, which if you caught last week, I did episode one and two. Next week, I'll do episode three and four. Um, But besides that, it's going to really be just kind of a a general feel for the vibe of the show. Okay, so I'm going to race through uh, these episode titles, and kind of if there were shows of the anime that they were based on uh, or kind of held some semblance to, I'll give you what those are as well. So episode one was Cowboy Gospel, kind of an adaptation, almost a direct adaptation for the Red Eye episode, which was, I believe, also the first episode in the anime. The effects in this show, in the live action version, were a little, I don't know, less than spectacular, less than what I expected uh, from, from that anime Version of the episode. Uh, episode two was Venus Pop. It was the Teddy Bomber episode. And again, I think there were elements of the Teddy Bomber that they left out, but also elements of the Teddy Bomber that they included in the episode. Most of these episodes for the live action version of Cowboy Bebop were almost one to one, though it is so hard, it is so difficult to do a direct translation. From animation to live action. Episode 3 was Dog Star Swing. It was the Hakim and Ayn episode. I'm a little disappointed that they didn't do more with Ayn in the series. Because Ayn is an amazing character. It's just a little corgi dog. And he's hilarious. Um, he's always leading them out of a bad situation or he's finding the solution to a problem. The dog was experimented on. He's like a super genius dog. And I'll get to it a little bit later, but talking about things that they left out of this series that we'll never get to see because, unfortunately, Cowboy Bebop has been canceled for a second second season on Netflix. Who knows? They might pick it up at some other time. Uh, is Ed. Uh, You know, Ed was only revealed at the very end of uh, Cowboy Bebop. Uh, Number four was Callisto's soul. Uh, So there's some eco-terrorists in this. And in this episode, it was kind of the start of Faye finding her identity. And they had a whole long arc with Faye. And so there were several arcs, you know, kind of weaving themselves through the story. Of Cowboy Bebop uh, Faye's identity arc was one uh, The syndicate undoing uh, Speaking of Episode 5 was Dark Side Tango We got a little bit of a, a Jet flashback episode Which was kind of cool where he found out That you know his partner was a Was a corrupt partner There was a really funny part in this episode too Where they talked about So Jet was off doing his own thing uh, Finding the corruption in his In his old partner And Faye and Spike were trying to figure out what bounty that they would go after. And so they were back and forth on this. They couldn't really agree. And so they were just kind of hanging out, shooting the shit. And they really got to become good friends uh, through it all. But during... Faye went to take a shower and then take a bath and take a shower. And so it's kind of a funny scene between the two. And Spike said, what a ridiculous use of water. Why isn't there any hot water? And she said, well, it's because she takes a shower and then a bath and then a shower. So she said, you really should try it. And so later on in the episode, Spike tries it. And he, he absolutely loves it. Then episode six was Binary Two-Step, the Dr. Londis AI machine episode. And I think this one was represented in in the anime. But in it, uh, Spike gets captured essentially by an AI that is downloading his brain and going to delete him. They eventually get him unhooked. Galileo Hustle is episode seven. And this was a cool episode because Jet had to go to one of his daughter's dance rehearsals. Again, I love the way that they did the character Jet. Uh, The actor played him so well. Uh, He is a sympathetic father figure. To this, uh, this young girl, uh, he's a divorced dad, so he's trying to split time between being a bounty hunter and being a good father. And well, Spike is in the background fighting off these syndicate villains, no, not syndicate villains. They were another gang. Uh, Jet was in kind of a VR headset attending his daughter's dance recital. Uh, so that was pretty, pretty funny. That was the one also where Faye had the woman who knew about her identity or had information on where to find out about her identity, the one apparently they were running a scam for people that were waking up out of a deep cryo sleep. They would say they knew who they were and then sell them back their information or steal their information from them. steal their identities essentially. But Faye was pretending that she was her mother. So she could, uh, get her, get her information from her. Then episode eight was Sad Clown Agogo, and Sad Clown Agogo was the Pierre Lefou episode. It was the adaptation of my absolute favorite and a lot of people's favorite episode from the anime, where you had this this person who was you know insane and you know whatever whatever kind of implications there are about insanity in 2022, uh, but he was also a bounty hunter, a a Not a brownie hunter, a trained killer, an assassin, a mercenary. And so he was hired on by Vicious uh, to kill Spike and, you know, the rest of the gang. But they did it very well. The effects in this episode were not as good as I remember the anime being. But with that being said, the characterization of Pierre, the actor who played Pierre, did a wonderful job. He uh, one of the one of the key defining characteristics of this of this person is they were were tortured so thoroughly, whether it was by the syndicate or by the laboratory that did these experiments on them. Uh, they they had like a invisible shield that was implanted into their body that, they, you know, they could suffer no damage or take no harm, uh, but at the cost of like great mental anguish. And a cat was always present during these experiments, or there were cats in his cells or something along those lines. So there was always cats, and that was the the trick to taking him down, was they, they spooked him with a the cat, then took him down. Uh, then in episode number nine, Blue Crow Waltz, Spike and Vicious, you know, we got a, a good in-depth look at their history and how they used to just be you know, lowly thugs within the syndicate organization. And eventually vicious gets tired of being a just a, a lowly henchman and yearns for something more. And Spike I mean, they, they do a, a love triangle very well with um Julia and you know, where Vicious had Julia, he, he saw her as a, a singer in the club that they went to all the time. And he wooed her, and she was his girlfriend. But then he had to go out on a mission. He became more and more obsessed with uh, the syndicate, more and more obsessed with uh, the power that he wanted in it. Because his father was a very prominent figure within the organization. And while he was out power mongering... Well, Spike and Julia had an affair and they fell, they fell in love and then Spike and Julia want to leave and they leave and that kind of causes the whole conflict between Vicious and Spike Beagle. Then in episode number 10, the last episode, Supernova Symphony, the main climax, a lot of people are really upset about the way that it ended because in the show you never really knew like what happened to Vicious and Spike. You know, who killed, who did anyone, did anyone, Did because Julia died, I believe, in the show. But in this one, in the live action adaptation, a lot of people were upset because Julia did not die. In fact, Julia had her own machinations that led her to betray Vicious, that led her to also betray Spike, and Spike said, I'm here for you, I've missed you for so long, and she said, why didn't you come for me sooner? And so she shot him, he falls out of, out of window and we assume Julia has now taken over the syndicate, become the, the main boss of the syndicate. A really cool scene, like leading up to all of that, where vicious's goons had kidnapped Kimmy. And then jet has all of this distrust of spike suddenly, because he did not know that spike is a former syndicate member. In fact, jet has a hard and fast rule where he doesn't deal with the syndicate. So. His daughter, Kimmy, is then kidnapped, and he can't forgive Spike for that. And at the end of the series, they part ways. Um, Faye goes off to find her identity. And, you know, that's that's it. All of these wonderful loose-hanging threads that could could make Fern excellent sophomore season for this show of them coming back all you know once they've discovered themselves they're a little more transparent a little more honest not to mention Spike Spiegel is laying dead or near death in an alleyway and who shows up but Ed in all of his or her glory uh, shows up and gives him this wonderful speech about how they're going to go on adventures but unfortunately for the actor or actress that plays Ed it, it is it is never to be. Um, so there were a few stories that were not explored in this anime. Of course, cowboy Bebop I think ran 26, 28 episodes as an anime. here we only have 10. So some story parts were kind of combined while some were left out altogether. Um, there was a in the in the anime, the episode where Faye Valentine was introduced, there was supposed to be someone that came to her uh, blackjack table in this in this space casino, and she was supposed to give them, as part of her job, whatever it was, uh, give them this poker chip that had a actual microchip in it. Well, Spike Spiegel unwittingly sat down at her blackjack table, kind of met the description of the guy that she was supposed to give the chip to. And he was supposed to bet that last chip. But instead, Spike Spiegel being kind of a superstitious fellow himself, he picks up the chip and he walks away, which causes a whole confrontation with the people who hired Faye and Faye and Spike. And that's when Faye kind of joined joined Spike and the rest of the crew. So that didn't happen. Um, There was a monkey business virus where... Uh, some eco-terrorists were going to turn everyone into monkeys. So that wasn't directly adapted from the anime, but in the eco-terrorist episode with Mama, I think is what they called her, it was kind of adapted in that way where they were turning people into trees instead. And I think part of the reason could be the effects cost, maybe turning people into monkeys. I don't know how much money uh, the budget was for Planet of the Apes, War on the Apes, but... I do know that it was probably a dollar or two. There was a really cool episode in the anime that I wish they would have adapted. And if they got the opportunity to have a season two, it would be wonderful to do. Uh, There was a unaging kid. He's like a, a crime lord, like an immortal child crime boss. And he was eventually killed by Spike with a special bullet that they had to construct and it, it was a really convoluted story. He was like a jazz musician and he played the harmonica and he was wheeling around this guy that everyone thought was the bounty that they were all after. But it turns out it was this kid and he was just taking advantage of this, this dude in a wheelchair. Um, so that was a cool one. Edward Wong, ha, Peppelio, true, the fourth. Uh, again, it only showed up at the end of the series. So we didn't really get a lot of Ed. And they... Oh, what did they do? Uh, there was a satellite that had gained sentience. And it was... God, what was it doing? Was it shooting at people? Was it blowing things up? But it had this consciousness that just... It really liked to to marvel at the drawings on on Earth. Like the... Shoot, what are those big giant big giant drawings that people did in the ground? You know the ones I'm talking to. Toys in the Attic was another good episode. They did not get a chance to adapt. It was about a living uh, piece of slime, this alien slime that came from their fridge and attacked the whole crew. It was kind of a one-off episode, and in it, the whole crew seemingly died. I mean, they were back for the next episode, but it was a really cool kind of kind of a what if episode before what if really took off. Then there was one where Ed was playing chess with like this this rogue hypergate builder who forgot all of his traps like he just enjoyed playing chess with Ed like he had he'd been wronged by the company that were building the hypergates and he had planned his revenge and plotted his revenge for so long but then he got, like, a dementia or an Alzheimer's and completely forgot about all the traps that, he had, he, that he'd that he set for the hyper gates. And then there was Cowboy Andy, uh, who was in the Teddy Bomber episode in the anime. And he was kind of like a guy who wanted to do good, but he always just, like, he would just fuck things up over and over again. And Spike, who usually could handle people without a care without, you know, a worry like was really competent. He really struggled with Andy because Andy was just he was just always uh, getting in the way. So some other chief complaints that we've had from the internet about this show. One of the reasons why it got canceled, uh, people said that there were lackluster martial arts. They said that um in the anime, the movements that spike were were doing uh the movements that some of the syndicate were doing were so fluid and so dynamic and so organic but in the show it was much more more stale and stiff and you gotta realize guys you gotta realize whether it's the whether it's the haters to the death note movie on netflix or whether it's the haters to the cowboy bebop live action adaptation series like anime is not movies, and what you're doing all you're doing when you you shit on anything else that is not the original anime is you're losing us more cowboy bebop you're losing us an alternative perspective into this universe into this world and I don't care for it I don't care for it at all uh, another big complaint was uh that the show was whitewashed and i don't I don't see how how someone could say that with the exception of uh, Ed, who you know maybe was a little darker skin colored in the anime, but everyone else, I mean minorities people of color uh, for the at least the main the main cast. Um, I love Ed as a character though. I really wish we would have got more because speaking of, of things that cannot be done outside of an anime, Ed, his whole persona, Her whole persona. Uh, They're very androgynous. They're like a noodle. They move around and they wave around and they cast spells with their words and their hands as they they clickety-clack on a, a multifaceted keyboard that can hack them into any system. An amazing character that we did not get an opportunity to see and probably won't because we're not getting a second season. And then, like I said before, Vicious as a character, a lot of people complained about him, but... Again, it is very hard to do an over-the-top anime character, a Sephiroth-style character with the hair and everything in a live-action thing. I think we saw it the best, like the best case against direct, at least hair adaptation, maybe entire characterization adaptation from anime to live-action was that Dragon Ball Z movie. Do you guys remember that? where his kamehameha was a little gust of wind. I don't I don't like it. I don't care for it. As far as the effects go and the setting of the anime, they developed a wonderful universe. Like every time they went to a new town to hunt down a new bounty or meet with another contact or go to go to the bar, it felt like they were in a different place and not just a different place, like a different part of the country, not just a different city or a different town, but it felt like they were traversing the universe truly. Uh, And there's a a video game comparison I've seen people do is the outer worlds. Uh, It's a game by obsidian came out, I think three or four years ago, really, really good. A, a fallout style game. But in that each of the planets had a very distinct feel. And I think they did a good job encapsulating that here in this series. The effects weren't bad. They weren't bad. They weren't, you know, necessarily uh, sci-fi level or CW level bad. Uh, There was definitely, you know, some peaks behind the curtain. But every time the ship came down, like it came down in the water, it looked good. Like they did the effects on the ship, made it feel like it was this, this, a hunk of bolts the bolts and screws that was just falling apart I thought it was was very good and tone is very important when adapting anything when making anything but when making an anime specifically or an anime adaptation and they did a lot of cool things with uh, the cinematography where they would split the screen and they would um, focus on different different characters in different ways I liked it I liked it a lot and And people were upset about the ending. They were upset about uh, Julia taking over the syndicate. They were upset about the definitive nature of uh, vicious's death um if if i if I have to take anything out of this adaptation out of this show, it's that if you have not already seen the anime, go watch Cowboy Bebop. just watch a couple. Of episodes um, and that's that's really all I'm asking I loved Cowboy Bebop uh, all of all of the complaints all of my complaints even all of the all of the differences between the anime and this version uh, aside I really did love it any extra peaks I can take into uh, worlds and universes that I am infatuated with that 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 strike up that Harmonious chord in my head are ones that I'm happy to receive, and unfortunately, not everyone shares that opinion. Uh, if it is not directly building on the source material, or if it is not um, a, a a direct follow up or true enough adaptation, I'll be damned if someone can have a different vision of a same thing. It, it makes me worry about the One Piece adaptation. Well, I'm, I'm worried about the One Piece adaptation in general, just because of all the anime, One Piece is by far my favorite. It's my favorite anime, my favorite manga, and I don't think they're going to ruin it. I think One Piece will be something different than the anime, and I can't wait to see what that is, but I'm worried for it in the, in the vein that I think it is going to be canceled. And we we talk all the time about people being canceled for something they've said or done. Well, shit, there's reasons why shows get canceled too. And it's because it wasn't a true enough to form of the original source material or it wasn't really the distinctive thing that they had in their mind or uh, you know maybe they ran afoul of the studio. I'm looking at you, Zack Snyder, and your Justice League. I am excited about One Piece though. And I, I do recommend if you are into space, into sci-fi, you should um, you should maybe give Cowboy Bebop a whirl. But I think that's all I'll say uh, about Cowboy Bebop for now anyway. Now, why don't we read one of your letters? This is going to be the section of the show where we, we read your letters and your emails and your comments and we respond to them in a way and i say we i mean me this is what i'm doing this is my <laughs> this is my new segment that i've started uh so to start off our very first letters segment on the show i'm very excited i'd like to say why haven't you sent me any letters <laughs> why have you sent me no emails here we are nearly uh, 280 some odd episodes into the culture jack podcast And I do not have a mountain of missives that I can go through and comb through to give you my, my very uh, robust and original answers to the the burning questions that you might have. So send us, send us a letter or, or write us uh, a comment. You can send letters uh, to the email in our link tree. Um, You can also leave us a comment on any of our social medias also down in the description below. If you don't know how to get in contact with us, there's no excuse. There's no excuses. Just in the description, just click that link and you'll get there. You can also follow us on like social media and stuff. So, in the meantime, what I have decided to do in lieu of actual culture jacked listener letters is like anyone on the internet, I've decided to be a thief. <laughs> I have stolen letters from other shows. I'm. I wouldn't call myself an avid podcast listener, but there is a good three or four shows that I listen to every week. Um, And so I have decided that because the audience of these shows, I won't say is better than my audience, than better than the culture jacked audience. I will say they are more dedicated. They maybe care about their show a little bit more than you guys do. And that's fine. That's fine. You can do that. So I'm going to steal some of their letters. (laughs) I'm going to steal some of the questions that they've been asked uh, and then answer them here until, you know, you guys really start feeling guilty and start sending me, uh, you know, some kind of communication. So the first letter that I'm going to steal is from the podcast Game Scoop uh, episode 663 uh, that was on February 18th. And they had someone write in that asked, how would you get someone into gaming like what games would you start with how would you uh prepare them and in the letter they were talking about how their i think they got their girlfriend or their significant other into a game called it takes two which we've talked about on the show plenty they've won all kinds of awards i think most recently they just won a dice award they won the game of the year award last year at uh, gamescom or the game Awards show i i believe um but I don't want to talk about a significant other, really. I, I'm answering this question my way. I've got three specific types of people who I think are, are obvious people that you might try and pull into gaming. So if I can help you get someone that you care about into this wonderful hobby that we share, I think all the better. Uh, so those types of people are a child. Obviously, they're maybe new to this whole life thing. Maybe they haven't played games before. But how to kind of ease a child into playing games. Uh, a parent or a grandparent. Maybe someone that has missed the technology or missed the industry entirely. And, you know, the last game they played was Hoop and Stick out there juggling the thing down the road. Uh, and then finally, maybe someone who isn't really interested in gaming, someone who, you know, they've got other hobbies or they're maybe into, into a craft really big, or maybe they don't think that they have the time or it's not important. It's a child's play thing, that sort of thing. So speaking of child's, child's children, that's the way to, to multiply that. That is, um, the the correct way, a child, how to get a child into gaming. And I thought uh, a good way at first, and I know I've done this. I still do this with my brother to this day. I give him and I would give a child a controller that is not plugged in or not turned on or doesn't have the batteries. Now, they see what you're doing. They see the action, the bright colors on the screen, but maybe they don't have the ambulatory motor functions required to really do the fine precision movements of a video game. So I'd give them a controller. That's where I'd start them. But once they finally kind of clicked for them and, and they're upset, they, the controller that they have doesn't work, and they start to understand that you have just duped them, I would move on to something where they can play as a partner in the game. So where they are not necessarily required to do any, any meaningful movement that would uh, move the game along... I would say like Mario Odyssey, the Super Mario Odyssey that came out for the Switch a few years ago. The second player can play as Mario's hat. And so Mario's hat doesn't do much, but it can go around and collect coins, um, maybe make movements, maybe make sounds. But it's a very simple thing. And I know my kids, when they started playing Super Mario Odyssey, my son would have my daughter play as the hat. And it only only shortly there after she decided that wasn't enough for her. So then I would move up maybe another tier. Uh, and the, the next one I'd say is like a game like Super Mario Wii U. Or what is that game where you're... It, uh, it's a Rayman game. Like Rayman Ultra. I don't remember what it's called. But you can play up to four players. It's a side-scrolling game. And in that game, the... Um, The consequences for failing in action are not severe. Same same way as in Super Mario Wii U. The consequences of failing are not severe. You fall off a cliff, you die, you lose your last health point, you become a bubble that floats around. And then as this bubble, another character can pop you and get you right back into the game. So the consequences aren't bad, but it also, at the same time, rather than being a hat, will get you a little more uh, familiarized. With gaming in a 2D space, and that's where I'd want to put you first is in a, a 2D space. And then after that, I think the game that would really get you full on into gaming as a child, if these ones hadn't already done the trick, would be Minecraft. So Minecraft is—it's a game. I, maybe I haven't talked about it often, but I do play it often. It's like digital Legos. It's so much fun. The—the the reason I would say Minecraft is because the stakes, again. Well, your character can die. They always come back. And if you're, if you're, you're smart about it, they can come back in an area that they're familiar with in an area where, you know, they, uh, have their house built and they have their garden tilled and, and their cows tied up and, and so on and so forth. But the main thing that Minecraft does, it puts a low stakes gaming environment into a 3d space. So whereas in uh, Rayman Legends and Super Mario Bros. Wii U, you're in this 2D space. In Minecraft, now you have the option of figuring out that you know the left stick is move and the right stick is look around. And so you get that um, uh, ambidextrous feel of using both of your thumbs in tandem, not to mention... All of the buttons have features. So everything that you use does something. And so it gets you uh, acquainted with a controller. Now, this is not to say that someone new to games like a child would not be well served by starting out on a PC with a mouse and keyboard. But I always consider uh, a controller to be the easiest entry point because there is not all kinds of things going on around a controller. It's just the controller. So moving on then uh, to like a parent or a grandparent, someone that the the technology has missed. I talked to my brother about this and he was like, you know, someone older might have like a, a slower reaction time. Or maybe not as much coordination when it comes to maybe the multifaceted movements that a a character like Lara Croft has to make in a video game. Man, what a dated reference. Why did I choose Lara Croft? I mean Crash Bandicoot. Damn it. I mean Mario. Damn it. I mean Kratos. God of War. There it is. So uh, an older person might not really be well acquainted enough with a controller to move a character like Kratos through his environment. Uh, he said maybe like puzzle games. And so you might see an older person play Bejeweled or what's that game? Candy Crush uh, or something like that. that that's maybe more uh, focused on puzzle solving rather than it is on reaction or coordinated uh, finger movements. Myself, personally, I think VR games would be a great place to start with an older person. For one, it's not that damn video game that they've seen their child playing or they saw their grandchild playing that they're like, get off the damn TV and go outside. This is something new. This is a new piece of technology. This is an immersive experience. This is I, I watched my, my dad and my mom play our Oculus Quest for the first time. It was so funny. They were so panicked, so terrified. They they so terrified. <laughs> what a great sale for an Oculus, right? No, they 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 loved it. They thought it was amazing. They thought it was so much fun. And it reminds me I have to take it back over um so they can so they can play it some more. I think an exploration game inside of a VR experience, a game like The Room or a game like Mist where you just move around an environment and yeah, maybe even solve a few puzzles is a is a great starting place for someone who uh, maybe this hobby almost missed. but don't let them miss it because it is a great hobby and it's a lot of fun. Finally, the hardest nut to crack and this one may be impossible to get someone to get someone playing who really just isn't interested in playing video games. And the person I'm thinking of is a a person who's got other hobbies. You know, maybe they're an outdoorsman, maybe they're a sports guy or gal, or they're a car guy or gal, Uh, someone that just really has very specific hobbies. But in that, I think you could use those very specific hobbies to turn someone on to gaming. Now, the great thing about games, especially here in 2022, is that games have been going on for a long time and so they've had an opportunity to branch out and reach all aspects of life i mean just recently there was a game about unpacking for god's sakes where you take all these boxes and you take this stuff out of the boxes and you place them in your room or in the bathroom or the kitchen where you think they should go in your new home so i think there's a lot of hobby specific games that could get someone turned on to video games in general. You got a person who likes playing basketball a lot? Hell, bring them on uh, NBA 2K. Maybe they watch basketball, and so all of these star players that they're seeing, or you know, they, they like football, and so they, they can design their own roster and make their own dream team. That might be something that they're very interested in. And a lot of these games, like the controls are so easy to pick up and play, it's almost like you're actually watching A fantasy game that you put together in your head. Uh, They're they're a car nut. You know my my co-host Anthony he's a big car guy so something like maybe Gran Turismo where he gets to drive a car that he never in his wildest dreams would be able to afford or otherwise drive. But here in Gran Turismo in Forza Horizon 5 they get a little bit of that experience. Well, maybe they're maybe they're a fisherman or a hunter I mean there's big deer trophy hunter five hundred and <laughs> real big fish which is a band but bass pro you know sport fisherman eight eight thousand like there's games out there for everybody so what I would do, to somebody who isn't particularly interested in video games. I mean, if you don't just completely write them off and just go, well, fuck that guy. Fuck that person. I'm not going to, I'm not going to even introduce them to this hobby that I love. If you do want to invite them to enjoy something with you, I would say try and figure out what their hobby is, whether it is driving trucks or, you know, racing around little RV, RV cars and, and trucks. There's something out there for everyone. And I know I said I wasn't going to answer it, but um, the original letter writer did mention their their significant other. So a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a husband, a wife. Um, I would say, yeah, those two-player games where you play together like It Takes Two, they're great games to play. Uh, maybe in a lesser degree, like Animal Crossing or Stardew Valley, where you can build a home together, uh, ironically enough. Or you can... Uh, you know, work together in a, in a way to kind of cultivate the land and whatnot. But I think more so than that, and the ones that I've had the most success with in getting a significant other or a friend that wasn't into video games is playing a video game with them that was a cinematic experience, like watching a movie together something that you know you take turns playing and there's a lot of good dialogue there's a lot of really interesting twists and turns something like uncharted or last of us or little nightmares or hell if you guys are into spooky things play a resident evil game together i think that would that would do the ticket and so what do you guys think though like is that the route you would take to get someone interested in gaming is there a specific game that you would introduce someone to uh, for the first time that they decided to be a gamer or have you thought about it have you done it and have you found successes with it i really want to know get a hold of me if you if you'd be so kind um I, i think that's gonna be it for the show today that's enough for you you've had enough but send me your emails and your comments so I can read your letter next, because I want this to be the interactive part of the show, and I want to I want to address you, not just generally like I generally do, but I want to address you specifically, and I want to answer specific questions, and I want to become more involved with you and you with me. That sounded really creepy. I'm not outside your window right now. No, don't look. Don't look right now. Okay, now look. See, <laughs> I'm not there absolutely ridiculous that you would think even even consider that I was uh, (laughs) that I was outside your window. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Follow us. Leave us a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. That would be that would be amazing. There are new episodes out every single Friday. Next week is a new show. Check out our YouTube channel, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok at Culture Jack. Links are in the link tree in the description below. And next week, like I said, will be a news episode. Uh, you got movies, games, and a review of the, the, the third and fourth episode of Moon Knight. I, I really hope that your week was good, and I hope that your weekend is even better. So we'll see you, Space Cowboy.